Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 90 for Monday, May 25th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my good friend Johnny, but you may know him online as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, and if you're wondering why Joel sounds suspiciously clean-shaven, you want to tune in to The Render Distance, which is the extended version of the podcast you can get at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks by signing up and supporting the show. How are you doing today, Joel? I'm good. I feel like I have. I should have a whistle like Gopher from Winnie the Pooh. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that. Some something dramatic has changed. Like I don't. I don't imagine that anything has changed about the voice with the beard. But maybe sound dampening. Nat- natural sound dampening has been removed. Us, really us, sure. be- us bearded types. We can. We can know. There's something acoustic yeah. about it. Anyway, uh, let's. Talk- I can get closer to the microphone without <laughs> having any whisk- whiskers <laughs> that, rustle around. That's but- true. That's true. A little bit less white noise, maybe. Um. So, how's your Minecraft week been? What have you been up to? So I actually took a page out of your book uh, from last uh, week where I played a little bit of Minecraft offline. Didn't mm-hmm. stream, just kind of played it for myself, having some fun. Uh, I have been filling in and planning some areas of the city and discovered a large kind of bend in the river biome and realized that it would be an excellent spot for a modest uh, ink farm. Our current ink farm on the server is very, very full. We don't need more ink. However, it is unloaded. And slowly but surely, we will be whittling away. Uh, and as I'm making more gray concrete powder for this city, I feel like we're going to run through it quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, well, I can just make a small ink farm and then do it now while I'm still planning the city. And it'll just be running in the background as we do the rest of the construction. And uh, so I logged in and was kind of designing that and trying to figure out where to put it and uh, sort that kind of stuff out. And it's a fairly simple design. Like I looked up some stats about um squid and it will be better in 160 and i kind of was future proofing it thinking like well i'm gonna worry i'm not gonna worry about you know too much land filling and clearing because they're gonna be on a different um uh what's the word i'm looking for spawn group um yeah like a mob cap. cap yeah mob cap thank you a different mob cap from fishes uh when the uh when the 116 drops so i'm not too worried about that but also we're filling in enough of the river on either side of it that there are some bodies of water that are going to be around but i don't think it's going to completely remove uh any of the squid caps because i've i've done a couple of columns uh they're not full height they uh are just a, a few sections of the water and i already have like two or three ink sacks in there and i only ever played for like a couple hours mm-hmm. so like that's fine that's all i needed to do um plus i need i'll fill in the rest of the farm but all it is is just um two water block sources with a fence gate underneath them yep and then two more water block sources with a fence gate underneath them and then to either side of that holding it all in place is a full column of fence gates yep so it's a lot of fence gates similar to those uh, guardian farms that you see from like cub fan and, and some of the newer designs and uh it's a pain in the butt to make but it's very efficient like it's just simple uh you don't have to worry about anything I'm going to be able to collect everything and send it to the main storage system. So like, I'm, I'm happy to have a technical project because I, I like doing waterways and moving things around and things like that. Um, but that's it. That's the only thing I did off stream was just that. And then on stream, it was just filling in uh, the river. And um, we, did, we did some stuff with sponges. I did a couple of morning streams on like Tuesday, Thursday, just to kind of break it up. Uh, ironically... I didn't stream on the weekend because of all the nice weather and I had to do some adulting like laundry and cleaning and stuff. So having a different stream time brought in some new viewers, but then uh, the people that couldn't make for people that can't make the weekend, but then ironically didn't 
stream on the weekend so mm -hmm. um but that's it that's all i did it was fun um also by the way it's ripping out the um resources at the bottom of rivers now before you fill them in like i got two shulker boxes full of sand yeah it's... sand and clay are yeah you know underrated resources as far as rivers go and you don't have cause to like dredge a river very often in this game and there's there's less need to do that i think but then if you may as well do it because you have to fill it in or you know dry the whole thing out for a squid farm anyway then yeah it's a it's a gold mine yeah strip it out it's yeah it's it's very great i mean didn't get a lot of clay but a lot of sand and gravel mm -hmm. yes and sand and gravel are in short supply pretty much everywhere when it comes to like building with concrete <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things that like i i get i i don't use sand for glass anymore i trade all of my glass from villages so i can keep it to make it to make concrete out of it which nice, is, is, yeah. is saying something there's there's a lot of it um, I have been working on transforming a jungle temple this week uh, and, and basically completely knocking down the original jungle temple and rebuilding it for what I imagine a jungle temple could be. Keeping the same basic concepts like a fairly limited color palette, a lot of the kind of mossy stone look. Uh, I went with stone brick instead of cobblestone and mixed in a couple of other stone types with it as well. And I built a sort of Mayan style step pyramid using those. So it's got a large staircase up four sides of it. And then the rest of it is kind of a single block staircase instead of using stairs themselves. And I, I th thought it came together really well. I'm going to fill it with traps later this week, um, which is going to trap nobody nice. but me. But I thought it would be kind of a fun excuse to do an episode of the Minecraft survival guide about traps, even though it's not a multiplayer experience so there is nobody to trap and i feel like i can talk about maybe the uh, the morality of laying traps for your server mates but i think it'll be kind of fun to design some of that from a a, a game design perspective maybe if not from a, a minecraft griefing perspective um and you can do traps in a way that are fun and 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 potentially scare people but don't necessarily do any real damage yeah i think i think it's probably going to be like a couple of um you know arrows of slowness or something like that and like poison arrows could be a thing in jungle temples as well like you can kind of throw throw all of that stuff in slowness arrows are nice and easy to farm if you've got a, a an easy access to an ice biome and i've got so many of them from just dealing with strays when i was building a mountain so yeah i i have i have a bunch of those that i can i can do some fun stuff with and I was thinking about maybe having it... There are emerald blocks inset into some of the doorways, and I like the idea of, you know, if somebody tries to come up and steal an emerald block, there's an observer behind it, and it triggers, like, a either a lava or a water dispenser, and the, the lava would be slow-moving enough that you'd probably see it coming beforehand, but the water would be fast enough that it'd sort of flush you out, you know? And you, yeah. if, if you manage to get the emerald block, you'd just be swept back down the steps to uh, hit the bottom of it again. Um, it's too bad that we can't do larger objects in Minecraft because I feel like a jungle temple with your own trap designs would be a really good opportunity to do like the Indiana Jones giant boulder chase. Yeah, I, I was feel like that would. I was thinking about doing something like that where a, a hallway just fills up with gravel in stages. So instead of having something that constantly moves towards you, have it be just like rows of gravel dropping from the ceiling one after the other, and you'd still end up taking suffocation damage if you got caught in it um but it'd right. just be like a series of pistons retracting from the ceiling um so i might i might do something like that as well I'm, I'm thinking about drafting a few ideas and doing doing more than more than one or two uh there's definitely room for it because the footprint of this pyramid is i think at least 26 blocks long or something like that it's, i saw this thumbnail yeah it looks pretty big yeah it's it's sizable so i can fit plenty of stuff in it 
Um, outside of that, in Skyblock I was working on an experimental kelp farm design. Occasionally I like to do stuff that is just bizarre and probably inefficient, but could be a fun experiment. And this one, I was trying to get kelp to grow as high as it possibly could. Um, by, you know, whenever you break the top part of a kelp block, or any part of a kelp block really, as soon as it, like, decides for for the next uh, go-round what the top block of a kelp plant is, it it sort of randomly reassigns an age to it. Um, and that's what stops kelp from all growing to the same height in oceans. So if the top block is, you know, age, I think 25 is the limit, and you break it, that can reset to a number between 1 and 25 that is then how many more blocks it could grow. Um, and I decided to create a kelp farm where every few blocks it gets broken by an observer and then the observer lets it pass again as it continues to grow. And so in theory, if you know enough rolls of the dice happen that allow it to grow a few more blocks, it could just grow all the way to build height from the bottom of the world, which in Skyblock is accessible to me. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've, I've been building this really bizarre and kind of expensive to build kelp farm just because I want to see a stalk of kelp grow from the bottom of the world to the top. And it's been pretty successful, actually. I found that a lot of them, because they would hit like a number that they just couldn't grow any further than, like a few of the stalks ended up stopping um, like quite early, but then there was one that ended up growing beyond what you would normally expect, like beyond the 25 block maximum of a kelp plant. So I, I at least proved my point, if not necessarily had like a fully successful thing. And eventually I'm going to install some way of having it all be farmed out of it as well but uh cool it's going to be completely redundant in 116 because you're going to be able to bone meal kelp at that point but even after that i think it will be kind of fun to uh, mess around with the mechanics of stuff like this see and i, I for farms like that i i think they're more interesting and and to me i want to say more efficient time-wise because bone mealing farm you still have to have the bones like somebody has to turn the bones into bone meal you yes know? yeah uh there are ways i guess to get automatic bone meal from like you know, composters and villager farms but like the size and effort involved in all that compared to just having uh, a mechanical farm that works on like a daylight sensor you know or something um the farms that you can set and forget i think are the best even if they don't have the most efficient yield per hour yeah uh i think something that you don't have to then interact with at all ever other than other than stopping by and getting your stuff <laughs> i think is are the best the best kinds yeah yeah i i like that kind of stuff and i struggle with getting bones on my survival guide world because i don't like to afk at farms so i don't tend to just go afk for mob drops a whole bunch i tend to use my computer for other stuff and i don't want to leave minecraft running in the background so i uh i haven't got that many however in skyblock because the mob farm and that is so efficient and it runs automatically basically anytime i'm standing in the central island space i have more bones than i know what to do with <laughs> so i'll probably end up revising a different farm design at some point if i actually want loads of kelp but realistically nice. I'm, I'm using blaze rods as fuel i have a decent nether mob farm for that and wither skeletons give me coal as well so i don't need kelp blocks it's just for the sake of it really at this point it's it's I a bit of fun though Nice. I've been using coal in the city for fuel. Um, I don't smelt a lot of stuff there. If I have any big smelting jobs, I usually do it back in the nether hub where I'm using blaze rods, as you mentioned. But I've been debating as to whether I want to try and get uh, an alternate fuel source going. Uh, I looked at kelp, but I don't like the idea of having to craft kelp blocks yeah. afterwards. Uh, and I've seen some really cool ways to craft a lot of stuff uh, at, at once, but 
uh, as inefficient as it is as a fuel source, I kind of feel like if I had a nice big bamboo farm that just went straight into furnaces, I feel like that would be the way to go. Um, and in the end, it is a little bit more efficient in terms of the fuel consumption because if you have an odd number of items, like if you're not smelting perfect stacks of things, then you're not wasting a coal that would smelt eight, eight items if you're using bamboo because bamboo, it's like, I think it's like half the efficiency of sticks or something. So, you know, you might use like 12 bamboo to smelt like one item, but it's better than using one coal that could have smelted eight, but only smelted the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's there's always that equation that kind of balances that stuff out. Um, yeah. Let's move on to talk about the news this week because we have a fair amount to talk about, actually. There is a snapshot for this week, Minecraft Java Edition snapshot 20W21A, and custom world support is back. And I'll read from the blog post here. In this snapshot, Mojang has added support for custom world settings and custom dimensions. This is an early release to gather feedback about this feature. Note that custom world settings and dimensions are considered experimental and unsupported. Any custom world settings may change from one snapshot to the next, and worlds using custom settings will be clearly marked as experimental in your worlds list. So, yeah, it's worth checking some of this stuff out because custom dimensions uh, are a brand new thing, more or less. Um, we kind of saw the, um, the the beginnings of this with the Infinity snapshot they did as an April Fool's joke. Turns out, maybe not so much of an April Fool's thing as planning for the future. But custom dimensions, uh, custom world settings used to be a thing a while ago and were removed, I think, as of 1.13. And uh, custom worlds couldn't be updated beyond that point. So... Really great to see they are revisiting this stuff again. Outside of that, there are some new features, including the ability to toggle redstone wire between a cross and a dot, uh, adding import and export world settings functionality, adding a new disable multiplayer command line option, and a new disable chat command line option. This new redstone toggle allows you to right-click a single piece of redstone to change back and forth between the quote-unquote new redstone cross and a redstone dot and the redstone dot actually has functionality in that it will not power its surrounding blocks in the same way that a cross does other changes in 20w21a include piglins no longer walking around while they are admiring some gold you've dropped if you hurt a piglin while it is admiring gold the gold will now disappear there is an increased chance of ores to generate in the basalt deltas to balance against the reduced amount of netherrack in that biome lily pads are now considered junk fishing loot rather than treasure and there are updated logos for Mojang Studios and Minecraft. There are several technical changes regarding commands in this snapshot, all of which are listed on Minecraft.net. We will not go into the entire thing. And a little bit more here about custom worlds. The Edit World screen now has an option to export the world settings to a JSON file so that you can import them into other instances of Minecraft if you so wish. And during world creation, you can import your previously exported world settings. There are new parameters accessible in these custom world settings, but as previously mentioned, they are experimental. There is a full list of fixed bugs on Minecraft.net as well. Uh, we have some here that are worthy of note. Uh, in that trying to interact with entities three or more blocks away without seeing its eyes only interacted client site that has now been fixed uh, also fixed is hostile mobs sometimes stopping attacking or following their target when they're directly next to it 
And I think baby zombies often do that, so we'll see how lethal they are in the next uh, snapshots. Uh, Nether Sprout's items were not visible when held in the hand in first person, has been fixed. Blackstone and Basalt prevented ancient debris and other nether ores from generating, that uh, overlap has been fixed as well. And finally, Wither Skeletons were not spawning inside of Wither Roses. They are actually supposed to because they're immune to the Wither effect, so that has been officially fixed as well. The uh, next little bit of news, obviously, is that Minecraft Dungeons launches tomorrow, hey. Tuesday, March 26, 2020. Uh, I have pre-ordered, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So I, while we're talking about it, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, Minecraft Dungeons, I think, at length uh, in, in our main discussion this week. But I did want to point out that uh, the, the pre-order process for me was a pain in the butt. <laughs> It did not feel good <laughs> uh, between the combination of the purchase just not working. I'm not sure if anybody else experienced this, but I tried to pre-purchase a couple times this week and Microsoft was just like, nope, not having it. Uh, so I don't know what the problem was there. Eventually there was some confusing UI things with my end uh, on the PayPal side of things and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, uh, I did, it did go through and, uh, just, we talked before, I think last time we talked about dungeons about the pricing of it. Uh, and for those of you wondering, uh, I was surprised that after the exchange rate, uh, it was 38 99 Canadian, uh, plus taxes for the hero edition, which is $30 us, right? Uh, yes. Something along those that, lines. I think it's, I think it's 20. Yeah. Cause it's 1999 for the base game us. I think twenty nine ninety nine for the hero edition. Yeah. So it came to thirty eight ninety nine. Um, but then when you when you put taxes on in my region, it comes to forty five Canadian, which is more than I was anticipating to pay. Not that it's a big deal, um, but but it's one of those things where I'm just like, oh, huh, that added up rather fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think probably is that I was looking at those those numbers and not realizing that they were they were in U.S. dollars at first. Yeah when we were first talking, talking about the pricing and stuff. But uh, you can go to um, Minecraft Dungeons on Minecraft.net, click on the Order Now button I have installed. Uh, so you can pre-install, which is great. And I clicked on Launch just to kind of see what would happen to see if it added it to the Minecraft launcher. It doesn't. It's still a separate thing. But it just says, hey, you, you're too early. It doesn't launch until tomorrow. Yes, I, I think the launcher is kind of a compromise because it was not um it's registered to your microsoft account not your mojang account and so there is mm. some like account discrepancy there that they couldn't handle having you logged in with two different types of account on the java minecraft launcher so that's just an unfortunate side effect of the way they are processing all of that stuff but i think that infrastructure is what ultimately allows you to um like play anywhere play with xbox live uh via cross play yes. that kind of stuff so so that's ultimately for the better even if it is a little bit inconvenient to not have all of your games in one place uh i have put a link to an ign review of minecraft dungeons uh, obviously review copies have been sent out to various publications the embargo is lifted and they are now reviewing it uh the ign review was if not glowing at least very positive they said you know this is going to be an entry-level dungeon crawler for people it's nothing you know completely innovative uh it's just you know a minecraft skin over a diablo style game and they've got enough variety in there to keep you coming back and replaying it they remarked on the game's polish um, and said there were a couple of inconsistencies with a couple of elements of it, but aside from that, they were pretty happy with it. And I think that's the general sentiment across the board. Uh, I've seen a lot of folks playing it on Twitch. A lot of um, creators received early access codes so they could play over this weekend, get people excited for the release and stuff like that. And like I said, uh, like Joel said earlier, we're going to be talking about 
um, Minecraft Dungeons for the main discussion this week. But let's uh, let's spend a little bit of time with the snapshot first. Anything st stands out to you from this uh, snapshot changelog? So I'm not a big custom worlds player, mm -hmm. um, but I do imagine that these tools being reintroduced into the game, even while they are experimental, will be useful for any creative builders and custom adventure map makers once they settle on implementation uh, from the, the Mojang side of things. Uh, and of course, survival players that do like this kind of stuff will have fun with it. Um, I'm thinking, you know, like how they did like amplified worlds back in like Hermitcraft season four or something like that. I can't remember season what season three, that was. Yeah, yeah. Was it three? Yeah. yeah, like just stuff stuff like that can be fun for those content creators that, that want something a little bit different from time to time. Um, but I think about also uh, creative builders like Gemini Tay, who we've, we've had on the show that have to spend a lot of time doing like custom um, terrain, you know, painting, you know, and, and sculpting. And if you can minimize that by already giving yourself some decent mountains with some settings, then I think that that could maybe help people out in the long run. Yeah, you can, um, you can generate yourself a pretty solid floating island world, which is like, you know, part and parcel of all of those fantasy style builds that you find people building, you know, floating castles and stuff like that. It seems yeah. like a, a good place to start. Um, I have a little bit of experience with world customization. We've done a bit of that on the decidedly vanilla multiplayer server that I used to be a part of. In Season 4, we raised the sea level of our worlds to make everything more accessible by boat and changed a few of the terrain height maps to match that. So we ended up with slightly higher mountains, slightly more impressive hills, and a sea level that I think was around Y70 or something like that. So it was a few blocks higher and meant that there were more kind of boat canals and pathways that we could get around naturally formed by the landscape. So there is some tweaking that can be done to make some really interesting presets with the old settings. I haven't really dived into the new settings, and to be honest, it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't me doing it in the first place, so I wasn't sure exactly what I needed to tweak to get a world to look good. Uh, but hopefully a similar level of customization is possible, and we'll start to see people doing some really interesting stuff with it. The thing that I wish could be done and is not clear that could be is that I would love to have a little bit more of a natural world look to the Citadel, but that would more than likely involve resetting. And like, I don't know if I can bring what I have now into a new custom world. I guess, I guess it would be a matter of like trimming the chunks and then... But like, yeah, say, you'd, like, you'd have don't... to you'd have to export it into a new world seed using some sort of editing program. I don't think it would be uh, yeah. super easy to you, you can yeah. you couldn't change your world seed and many of your custom world settings on the back end without probably significant problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so yeah, I, I mean, especially if you've got something where there are continents, like where you could maybe just save one continent and then have other continents be other things. But so yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm unhappy with the Citadel. Actually, for the for the random you know, way that we chose the, the, the seed, um, it's, it's still got some surprisingly cool features for, uh, for Minecraft world, but it also has some surprisingly janky floaty strips of things. You're just like, why is like, who, that's not good at all. <laughs> uh, it just adds to my to-do list, especially if you want to build in that area. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think it's, I mean, all overall, these kind of controls are good. I think mostly like adventure map, people and like creative builders are going to probably use it the most yeah um, i do however find the redstone dot toggle huge like that to me is a really big change mm -hmm. yeah I, I think it's an interesting one at, at the very least 
um, redstone blood is going to be back for the folks who used those like dots of redstone and were were like slightly annoyed that yeah for for aesthetic reasons the cross didn't look exactly the way they wanted it to. It does set an interesting precedent for con controlling redstone directionality as well. Aside from things like repeaters and comparators, which you adjust the settings on this is the first time we've really had a redstone component that you can right click on like as, as far as redstone wire goes and it changes in in the same way that there are data packs that allow for rotation of redstone components via like a special wrench tool that you just replace a carrot right. on a stick with or something but I, th I think it's it's interesting that we're starting to see stuff like that cropping up in vanilla gameplay how likely that is to extend to other things remains to be seen and it may not be uh, in the end, but it's it's an interesting first case of something like this happening. And uh, uh, I think Mumbo tweeted something about this earlier, and he said like he'd had maybe a a day or two to mess around with it, and said it's it's very useful, but only for when you randomly need it. It's not a game changer, and you can't necessarily design a redstone contraption around that as a feature. But it can get you out of certain tricky situations. He says so. That's um. Yeah, it's and that's worth noting that. Yeah, that, and I think it's going to get people out of the frustrations that I found complicated when I was first learning redstone and didn't know as much as I know now. Which is, you know, powering things next to a redstone line or a redstone dot that you didn't want to be powered. Yeah, and and things like a hopper. You know, like you make a construction, and you were like, why is my why are my items not getting to where they want to go? And you realize that you've got a redstone line that's running behind a hopper and happens to be powering that hopper. Well, now you should be able to right click that thing and have it not and have it clearly say, oh, I'm traveling into this hopper. That means I'm powering it. And if I'm not traveling into that hopper, that means I'm not powering it. Yeah. And I think that's, it's just gonna make Redstone accessible for the people that have less uh, experience with it. And I would imagine once more time has been spent with it in specific situations, like Mumbo said, um, you're going to find some of the heavier people that do redstone being able to like compact things a little bit. Like there's going to be that one time that, you know, Mumbo or somebody on the Sidecraft server make a piston door and realize, oh, wait a minute. If I switch this redstone dot to a cross or vice versa, I can make this thing a, a block thinner, which doesn't sound like a lot. But for those folks, that can mean a big, big difference in terms of where they can fit that thing. Right? Yes, definitely. And I think it, what it comes down to, the thing that links this redstone dot and cross thing and the world customization thing is that having more options is better in this case. Mm -hmm. And and that is something that I think has, has applied to some stuff in Minecraft for a while. But like, yeah, and anytime options are removed or taken away or, or changed significantly, people s sort of go, well, why can't we have both? You know, why can't we have this and that? And this is also with the redstone dot really being one of those situations where it wasn't a whole big deal to add back in, but it's just going to make some people's quality of life a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how do you feel about the gold disappearing when a piglin is hurt? I, I figured that was going to come sooner or later. Like there were people exploiting the fact that you could get the gold back from piglins and so forth. So it, it kind of, it made sense ultimately. And yeah, I, I, I think... It, it, it makes sense for the piglin's character you know if you're if you're looking at something and then you get hit you're not going to continue looking at the gold you're going to pull out a crossbow and shoot whatever's hurting you so yeah <laughs> it, it, it again it makes the piglins feel a little bit more logical a little bit more alive and and reacting to stuff a certain way so yeah i i, I think it make it makes sense it, it stops the exploit of people just getting their gold back as soon as they've tried to trade with a piglin even though i know that was um that that was previously nerfed a little bit by them 
not bartering anything, not like throwing out whatever they wanted to give you until they then accepted the gold ingots. But I guess now yeah. you sort of can't change your mind if you throw a gold ingot on the ground. Yeah, yeah, precisely. I mean, I, and again, I agree. Good, good change in my in my opinion. Um, I thought the Nether Sprouts fix was a bit haphazard. Uh, I have have worked on some data packs where I have to show what it's like to hold like one of my custom chair models in your hand before you place it, and I know that you can control how that model looks in different locations in the game: hotbar, hand, head, etc. And I thought that just raising it in the hand would be something that you could do without the image itself being raised in the inventory. So now, unlike grass, the sprouts appear across the middle of the frame in the hotbar, and it looks weird. Um, it looks right in your hand, but it looks really strange in your hotbar because grass and mushrooms and everything else are on the, like they appear kind of like with a baseline in the inventory. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I I haven't looked into the sprite sort of comparison enough here to really judge how well this has been implemented. I am wondering mm. if this is the right time to bring up uh, my my one gripe with glazed terracotta, where it doesn't place down in the direction it's facing when you hold it in your hand. You're you're kind oh, of you're right. kind of holding it backwards, and so like this is most noticeable if you have the magenta terracotta that's got an arrow on it, because if you place it down, the arrow is facing the opposite direction to the way it looks when you're holding it in your hand. And previously, I've had a friend of mine, uh, Dnator Games, um, make me a resource pack that changes the rotation of that item so that it looks like it's so it it places in the direction that it shows it when you're holding it in your in your main hand because yeah that that confused the heck out of me with glazed terracotta for a while yeah i'm sort of wondering and if i can like <laughs> submit a bug report or something and see if we can get that fixed for this update i haven't noticed that because on the citadel we run the data pack that allows you to um rotate yes. the terracotta once it's placed with yep. a wrench tool um we don't use the redstone one we use the terracotta one which is incredibly useful it just saves you a ton of time yes. and guesswork and getting things wrong like six times over yeah and it would be great if, if it didn't involve having to add a specialist tool to the game in vanilla i think that's probably why they've avoided doing something like that is because you know again it sets a precedent if you have a terracotta rotation wrench why not a something else rotation wrench why not rotate yeah. all blocks and then yeah you get into to tricky territory with implementing stuff like that but yeah just rotating it so that it was more predictable to me would would make a lot more sense um yeah. I, I guess that's more or less it for the snapshot really um the technical changes and stuff i will skip over because i really don't know all that much um before we move on i do want to comment that i think it's nice that they corrected the wither skeleton thing i think that those farms with withered roses and things are going to it's it's nice that they're not creating an op farm that collects all the things but you can still get wither roses and and skeletons and stuff yeah yeah stuff you, like can, you, you can still effectively limit a nether fortress farm to just with the skeletons if you want to which is very good yeah um, it's like a built-in filter yes definitely and and that again prevents you from removing functionality that people could use that stuff for but then yeah ultimately balances them with other mob uh, farming techniques so it makes sense and it's it's nice to see them kind of canonizing that uh, and, and and like actually um having an official correction that wither skeletons are supposed to spawn there it kind of makes sure that yeah that this is the way the game is supposed to function and that it's not just some sort of exploit you know it's it's intended behavior at this point um yeah i'm really excited for minecraft dungeons excited to get into the discussion and um there was a note in the show notes here about whether or not um characters and progress 
would transfer over from the beta. Um, from what I have seen, they do if you are playing on Windows. So I don't think... I, okay. I, I've, I've seen some folks who played the beta that was only available on Windows 10. They're now playing on Xbox One and they start from scratch with no character data or anything like that. As far as I know, they're using the same account that they would have been using as well. Um, so I don't think it transfers to other platforms, but I think somebody else who was playing on Windows 10 said if you you know if you transfer over your beta stuff from the windows 10 beta you you get it in the full version on windows 10 so yeah hopefully we should see some more people um basically picking up where they left off if they've been playing during the beta we uh ready to re- move on to chunk mail yes absolutely yes okay uh this one comes in from solomon t uh who sa- who asks how would you structure the minecraft movie It says, hello, Johnny and Joel. Uh, I'm a massive fan of the show. You probably provide the most intelligent Minecraft content on the internet. That's not to say I don't enjoy the more ridiculous stuff just as much, but you get the gist. Personally, I enjoy Minecraft as a creative tool and as a way to enjoy mini games. Firstly, do you have any tips getting into survival mode? My main question for you is actually about the Minecraft movie. The chat about the Minecraft movie in development is that by all accounts, it will be live action. How would you guys structure a Minecraft movie? The current plot sounds all right, but is there anything you would prefer? And how would you do it? Animation or live action with CGI? Personally, I would expect it to be live actors in a CGI environment, although hopefully with some sets. Would love to hear your thoughts, Solomon. Thanks, Solomon, for that, and uh, a link to the Minecraft.net page where it says the Minecraft movie is just around the corner, dated April 16th, 2019. So that's a long corner you got going on, and I'm pretty sure the release date is now somewhere in 2022. But um, yes, interesting to bring up the Minecraft movie once again. Let's quickly cover the first part of this email, though. Any tips, Joel, for getting into survival gameplay if you are a creative player or somebody who just enjoys minigames? Hmm... I, I would just take it one step at a time. Like, uh, don't rush it. There's a lot of tutorials out there. I know a guy that does one. Um, <laughs> I've heard of that, it. That can, that can get you started. But but one thing that's nice about the survival guide is that you took your time with it. And I think that a lot of times people will see uh, experienced Minecraft players like on Hermitcraft or Legacy Server or other people, and they just go straight to Endgame in the first two episodes. Yeah. And if you're if you're new to survival, just let it simmer like just enjoy it you know just go slow you know you can have fun with the the restriction of blocks that you have um unlike in creative you know when you first start and um you know go exploring use some of the new um i mean you you don't know how good you have it you know with some (laughs) of the new the new mechanics where you can set a spawn point in a bed and uh, not have to wait until nighttime like there's all these different things that you can kind of uh, use now that are in the game uh to to have things be a little bit easier for you you know like finding bees and working with all that kind of stuff very early on rather than having to find them later in your game um i think that would be a good way to go and and as we mentioned before um if for some reason you find yourself stuck with an idea about what to do i would utilize the natural landscape that minecraft has given you for inspiration and if you can come up with a decent story, if you're a creative builder, then you might already have that experience of like building a castle with a theme or an idea or a society in mind or something. So if you're if you're new to survival, look at the landscape, try to figure out how you want to change it, how you want to build on it, but then come up with a story that's going to inform how you go forward. And I think that once you start getting some infrastructure and start, you know, exploring how to navigate the world and deal with the mobs and have all that kind of stuff then i think you'll start to really enjoy it 
yeah I, I would agree with a lot of that i think um it depends what kind of creative mode you've been playing as well because we like to think of creative mode as just starting from scratch in a flat world but then some people might be creating you know creative mode builds on a traditional kind of default minecraft world and just in creative mode instead of survival so you know you might have an eye for that kind of stuff already and the things that are you know unfamiliar to you is just the grind for resources and combat with mobs and that kind of thing and so i think it's fun to just relax into not having to worry too much about whatever the next project is because in creative you are constantly trying to figure out what's the next thing i'm building uh and in survival you can allow yourself to be immersed in just exploring a world at your own pace you know at walking speed until you have elytra or horses or minecarts or however you would like to travel and you can go caving and you know encounter stuff like that the f the most fun stuff in the early game of survival especially is finding spawners and finding diamonds because diamonds obviously offer the longest duration of durability of tools at least right now until netherite comes in and then you know more protective armor and that kind of stuff and spawners mean that you can start experience farms and farming mobs uh, and and the resources that you get from those and I think that's a really good place to start with automated farming, which is something you will want to do a lot of in the later game if you want your survival experience to be comparable to your creative experience. If you are used to having abundant resources from creative mode and you want that in survival, you've got to start learning about automated farms. But you can do that, like Joel was saying, at your own pace. It's something that you can absorb slowly over time. And then dip back into creative if you want to just go over the design elements of something before building it from scratch in your survival world. Get used to having gravity. Gravity will be your worst enemy for the first little while in survival, but uh, trust me, it's, uh, it's, it's very rewarding building something in survival after you've uh, been doing stuff in creative for a while. Yeah, and one of the things that you can you know, use to decide what you're going to build next is what do you need? You know, do you need paper? Do you need glowstone? Do you, like, what do you need? Because a lot of the farming and even if it's just basic manual farms, you know, food, things like that, I think will inform, you know, as you, as you step forward. Yeah. Um, with regards to the Minecraft movie, uh, I actually did a little bit of digging because I didn't really know much about this beforehand. And uh, I, it's going to be a little bit too late. I think they're already too invested to change their mind about live action, but I think live action is a mistake. <laughs> I, I would much prefer an animated feature like a Lego movie uh, and the subsequent sequels and spinoffs and stuff. I think they are fun and don't shy away from what they are. You know, like in a Lego movie, you'll see someone take a vehicle that they're in and just like reconstruct it on the spot. Um, and I think that kind of lends itself well to Minecraft, maybe not vehicles, but like the, the kind of shape-shifting environment, you know, that we're in. Um, but it sounds like they are already well on their way to do some live action stuff. Um, the original release date on the article um, Simon shared uh, w was incorrect. I think it was May 24th, 2019, but now it's May March 4th, 2022 is the, is the release date. Um, the story is going to follow a teenage girl and her unlikely group of adventurers who have to save the overworld from the Ender Dragon. So it's not really you know, anything outside of the norm there. We'll have a link to the Minecraft movie wiki uh, in the show notes for this week's episode. So you can check out some more details, but the original, no, the current director is Peter Sollett or Soleil uh, from Nick and Nora's Influent Playlist. Uh, he's the third director on the project and the fifth writer. 
Uh, currently, Alison Schroeder is the sixth writer as of June 24th, 2019. Uh, Mojang Studios has also partnered with Warner Brothers on the feature. So Warner Brothers is an experienced uh, movie house, obviously. Um, but it's been in production in one form or another since 2014. And as I mentioned, it's on its third director and fifth writing team, second rewrite. That does not instill a lot of confidence in me that the film is going to be very good. Now, I'm not the target audience. I get that. Uh, not, not only am I not the family movie audience, I'm also not the, the kid audience that they're probably going to be aiming this at. However, I have been wrong before. Uh, unlike the horribly lowbrow, thinly plotted Transformers films from 2017 to 2000, uh, 2007 to 2017, directed by Michael Bay, the Bumblebee film from 2018, directed by Travis Knight, aimed at a totally different younger audience, was really fun. I really liked it. It's a good movie. Uh, also written by uh, Christina Hodson. So the fact that they have uh, Alison Schroeder, uh, a woman writing a story about a teenage girl uh, adventuring in, in a Minecraft kind of situation, that's good. Uh, I, I don't... It just feels like too many spoons in the pot and unless they went right back to, to the drawing board that I don't have. I'm not holding my breath. How about you? Yeah, um, I feel like since the news about the Minecraft movie originally broke, which, as you said, was like six years ago now, um, there's been a couple of interesting examples of video game movies. Uh, the one I'm thinking of in particular, I think I've referenced it on the show before when we've talked about the Minecraft movie, is Detective Pikachu, which was a decent blend of CGI game stuff and live action, and it worked for a lot of people, although the there is precedent for humans and pokemon coexisting anyway because that's the pokemon games uh so yeah i'm not sure if the whole voxel based minecraft aesthetic is really going to mesh well with the real world it will ultimately be about they, how they handle that and i think the worst case scenario is we get a repeat of adam sandler's movie pixels from i think 2015 which was like giant kind of pac-man and space invaders and stuff eating up uh like a modern day new york or something like that uh and mm. I, I never saw that but it looked like a special effects extravaganza and incredibly shallow so i don't think anybody's expecting this to be like a deep and meaningful experience or anything i i am ultimately just hoping for it to be good quality and entertaining for its target audience i think that's all anybody can expect of it and i think that's kind of what you get out of like the sonic the hedgehog movie that just came out recently like it's not going to be groundbreaking works of cinema or anything it's going to be just you know summer blockbuster entertaining fun hopefully it makes its budget and so forth i am wondering if the rewrites are really just uh the the kind of development philosophy we see from mojang studios being we want to get this right. We want to make sure the tone is right. We want to make sure it feels like Minecraft. We want to make sure it is a product commensurate with our values as a brand. And so, yeah, I, I agree that recycling, you know, cycling through all of these directors and writers and so forth may be a concern, but I am hopeful that it is just them trying to make sure that the final product is something that they can be happy with. And then hopefully their audience can be happy with as well. Although keeping the Minecraft audience happy, as we have learned, is not always the easiest thing to do. So we <laughs> yeah. will see. Personally, I don't know if I would, you know, I, I don't know enough about the Minecraft movie to tell you how I would change anything at this point. There is so little information about it other than the, a, a brief plot synopsis that I don't know if there's anything I would prefer at this point other than, you know, a movie set wholesale in the Minecraft world, which just becomes something like 
you know, Minecraft Dungeons opening cinematic or Minecraft Story Mode or something like that. How do you translate that to the big screen and make it still feel like a big budget movie instead of just another episode of Element Animation's Villager News? You know, yeah. th- th- there's yeah, yeah. Th- there's a lot of a lot of hard thought that has to go into how do we make this feel like a Minecraft cinema event? Um, and you know, best of luck to them is all I can really say at this point. Yeah, I I know that like there was a small live action component to the Lego movie. Yeah, yeah, there was, uh, with, there's a, a live you know, action cutaway kind of yeah, bit. Yeah, at the beginning and the end and stuff like that. But then there's also um, movies like Jumanji, uh, which while once they got into the video game were still live action, there were some like overlay video game stuff that happened. And those game, those movies do not take themselves seriously. Uh, and, and they're quite successful and entertaining. I, I haven't seen the second. Uh, I heard really good things about the second, but I liked the first quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was really fun. So you never know, like maybe, maybe it's a, it's a Jumanji slash Tron sort of experience where uh, this teenage girl and her friends get sucked into Minecraft. And then, you know, for the chunk of the film or parts of the film, they're actually in the CG world. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a combination of like Roger Rabbit style where like Minecraft stuff is existing with real world stuff. There might be a border there. There could be a portal. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it will, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, we don't know enough about it to really understand or even criticize. Uh, but I know that you had a, a really cool, uh, topic that you wanted to dive into this week for the, uh, anticipation of Minecraft dungeons. Yeah. I just figured we'd have a free for all about our experiences of the beta kind of like go back over that since we, we sort of did the same thing with the nether update snapshots where we kind of reviewed our thoughts on the nether update as a whole. I feel like we could do that with Minecraft dungeons and sort of going into this week maybe set some expectations and maybe we'll come back next week after we've inevitably had a few days to play it and see how we feel about it next week but uh this week i feel like we should explore a few questions which i've written down here in our show notes uh namely how much did we each play during the beta how much do we plan on playing the full game and are we planning single player or multiplayer what are the most appealing aspects of the game that we have found so far do we have any favorite weapons artifacts what's our our loadout looking like Are there any features we're looking forward to that weren't in the beta but have been in promotional material for the game? And how could the game be expanded or approved upon? We also had a a quick chat with the folks in the smeltery section of our Discord, which is for the ore producer tier and above. Uh, And Montrask asked, what platform should you buy the game for and what kind of gameplay focus should you expect? They said something about, you know, what kind of controller you're used to as well. Uh, So I'm sure we can fold that into the discussion so let's let's start from the very top how much did you end up playing during the uh, the beta because it was available for a few weeks there yeah i i played through the available first levels first a bit on my own on stream then i played the second part with you but the middle part overlapped so i think i played through creeper woods twice right yeah maybe a third time on my own where i went to go mess around and ended up playing for like two hours mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that like which is easy to do um but i very much enjoyed it and i didn't feel it was repetitive at all so i'm sure the story bits will feel repetitive on multiple multiple playthroughs but that to me i would expect that um but i'm look i'm looking forward to i might even start fresh like i might just be like i don't know if they changed anything from those first two levels they probably haven't but it might be worth it for me to just you know without too much time invested in a, a, like a quote-unquote end level character i might just be like well let's just start from scratch and see what's up so i might i don't know if i'll delete the other characters but i'll certainly 
I'll certainly start a new one, I think, uh, and just kind of go from there. Uh, and, and I think too that for stream content, um, I'll be streaming the full game for sure. I already have plans to play multiplayer both on and, you know, off stream and stuff. But I feel like being playing the, from the beginning, having already done it, would allow me to then talk a little bit more with the audience, you know, when you're first getting going because you've done it before. Yeah, um, I played through all of the stuff that was available at the time. I played through it even on the hardest difficulty settings by the end. Um, and I, I basically stopped so that I didn't end up finding all of the weapons, armor, artifacts, and so forth that was in the game, just in case the final game didn't add too much more. Like, I didn't want to burn out on all of these items and go, oh, is that it? Uh, turns out, <laughs> from what I've seen, my feelings were completely unjustified, because there is tons of stuff we have not seen yet. Um, but either way, yeah, I, I ended up um, playing through a bunch. I played multiplayer with you, I played mostly single player, and I played a fair amount of that just casually by myself, just to like wind down like it's a very nice relaxing game and i feel like that's how i'm going to end up playing it i'll probably play it more casually to unwind than i will on camera i might stream a couple of uh sessions here and there but um given the amount of other people who've been streaming it already i'm not exactly going to be the first past the post and um anyone who's interested has plenty of places to watch it but obviously if you've got a built-in audience for this kind of thing it's worth giving a go um and I, I think there's less of an individual approach to dungeons the way there is with Minecraft, because you can tune into Minecraft and see people playing the game any number of different ways. You know, whether it's just different approaches to the survival game, to people building creative or playing mini games or, or, or anything like that. And I feel like dungeons is a very individual experience in f as far as the weapons and armor you accumulate and, and how you play through it, but everybody is playing through the same story, the same levels. So it's ultimately about what those viewers turn up for. Is it to find out what the story is with the Archie Legit, or is it just to see people wreck shop for a couple of hours? Um, so we'll see. We'll see how uh, how exciting that is. I'll probably mostly play it single player, but there's definitely a couple of people who we could hook up with if we want to when I um, play a little bit of a multiplayer. I might even see if I can dig out my other Xbox controller and play a bit of local co-op with my wife if she's interested nice. in that. Because, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's always nice having uh, having some local co-op action as well. Because online multiplayer seems to be, I think, up to four players, um, but you can do a couple of people locally as well. So, And that's, and that's cool, especially if you, like you said, if it's an unwind game and if you can unwind, you know, with your wife, then that's great. You know, you just some mutual interest and some something different than Netflix or whatever happens to be, you know, making the rounds for the evening entertainment. Uh, I know, like I said, I'll be streaming the game for sure. Um, I like that it'll give me something to play when I don't feel like playing Minecraft and I want to play something a little bit more action based. Yeah. But it will still be within that same world and it probably won't alienate the Minecraft audience that I have built up. Yeah. I have been pretty good about playing other games on stream. I do some art streams. Like people know that I do more than just Minecraft and and um when they show up uh i i do get a much smaller audience so when i play something like industries of titan or no man's sky uh well i should no man's sky has got its own audience as well but but i feel like um as far as the minecraft stuff is concerned i absolutely get a much larger view you know chat room when i'm playing minecraft no matter what i'm doing uh, filling in rivers is not exciting but i still have quite a lot of people show up so it's one of those things where it'll be nice to be able to change pace for a little bit 
even just like, you know, wind up or wind down. Like if you're doing a longer stream and you don't necessarily want to be playing Minecraft for three or four hours, you can play Minecraft Dungeons for the first hour and then switch, you know? Yeah. Um, play a dungeon, you know, bring some people in and then switch, you know, after a break, maybe switch, you know, what you're doing. Um, I still don't know how to switch scenes in OBS um, for from Streamlabs without ending the like switching scene collections without ending the stream it always seems to crash yeah so i don't know if i can do that quite right but um as far as things like the most appealing aspect of the game which you brought up i find the combat sorry the combat really satisfying like really satisfying uh plus we're seeing a lot of bad guys in the game that are new to the minecraft universe which yeah. i find really interesting and kind of like what's around the corner kind of just like just over the horizon sort of stuff the angry stone wall guy i'm paraphrasing i don't really remember the name of the, the uh the, the Ge geomancer wall. is that one geomancer yeah. yeah 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 really really cool stuff and when you have to deal with things like that it it kind of reminds you oh i'm not playing minecraft this is not as simple as shooting arrows and swiping at people with a sword like there's going to be there's some strategy here and um, on the harder difficulties, those geomancers combine with the illagers. Is it the illagers? No, um, they're all illagers. Vindicators the with the axes. Vin no, it's the it's the um, the 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 jaws that come out of the ground. Oh, evokers. Evokers. The evokers are hard. Like on harder difficulties, they they I shouldn't say they're hard. You have to think. Like they you really have to deal with them. And if you're dealing with them and like geomancers and stuff, it's like, oh, holy heck. You know, yeah. like, it, it, it really makes you think in a different way than playing Minecraft, which I really like. So those are the those are the things that I think are appealing to that is that you can't go into this and uh, fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah, you can't, beyond you can't just, maybe level one. You can't coast on just your Minecraft knowledge alone because there are no. other other things this game wants to throw at you, which is great. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I totally agree. I think the Geomancer and other variant mobs like that, and and sort of brand new mobs, uh, expanding the Minecraft canon in a way is is really fun. Um, and that's definitely a highlight for me. I don't find the combat in regular Minecraft satisfying at all, but I find the combat no. in this game deeply satisfying. And I think part of the fun of it is experimentation. It's finding out what combinations of artifacts, enchantments, and weapons really shine together. And there are a bunch of different play styles within that. Whereas with regular Minecraft, you basically have the top tier armor, which is diamond armor with protection, unbreaking, mending, and so forth. Like everybody effectively ends up with the same equipment. It seems like they've worked really hard to make sure there's equipment in this game that's going to appeal to a variety of play styles so that you're going to have differences between players especially when you're playing multiplayer and doing what we did where you know you would tank and i would do ranged stuff and then we'd kind of flip back and forth depending on what gear we ended up getting um yeah so yeah finding a variety of stuff in there is going to be great um what were your favorite weapons like you ended up getting the um is it the pink rascal or something like that that bow that makes the boy oh, noise and like yeah i don't remember what it's called but yeah it was some sort of like strange bow thing and i ended up running out of arrows because i was using it so much because it was so fun yeah. But yeah like stuff stuff like that which i think came in at the higher difficulties that when we played through um the, i mean the bow stuff is fun i really like the variety of animations so having a bow that's enchanted or does something different like explodes or lights people on fire and um there was one weapon it was a bow that had an enchant that said like you know 20 percent of your arrows will be explosive and what's really cool about that is that it's it's accurate and repetitive so it's basically like 
one, two, three, and four arrows are normal, and five explodes. Mm -hmm. So you can count it out. So you can shoot four enemies and then shoot the explosive arrow at the harder enemy. Yeah. And and it'll take them down a tick more um, than just a regular arrow. And so that 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 kind of deep mechanic I really enjoyed. But I also just like the variety in animations. So. I appreciate the swishy, swishy efficiency of the size, the twin size that I think you picked up at some point. Yeah. Um, but the inner Gimli in me just likes a good axe because you have <laughs> yeah. like, there's two solid strikes and then there's like a spin. So like each, with each subsequent strike, you have a more powerful and more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More engaging animation of your character. Like you look like you're kicking butt, really kicking buck, but, and then ending the person like you're yeah. just you're ending the bad guy like this is the final swish and you're done and that i find even though that's the same three animations it does it does kind of vary things up a bit um and there are different animations with the size i, I should say but they're so fast that you don't necessarily have that that oomph to them um i like the you're talking about how mobs are not satisfying to fight in minecraft and for me this is a personal thing there's a lot of people that are much better at it in, than me in minecraft i don't like melee in first person i think it's hard to gauge like i can barely hit a spider or a baby zombie without them hitting me first uh, i just kind of feel like i'm spamming and just waiting for them to fall over dead um, but the difference i think uh with minecraft dungeons is that it's easier to aim it's easier to see what you're hitting and what the distance is between you and the bad guy. And also the physics of that final strike is very satisfying. Uh, mobs in Minecraft just kind of fall over sideways. They don't really go flying. Yeah. Uh, unless you hit them with like a piston or like unless you send them flying, there's really not much that happens. In dungeons though, like when you roundhouse axe chop a zombie, he spins around 360 before he falls in his face. And it's just, it's cartoony but it's fun and it feels like you really walloped that guy you know it's got that cartoon pow you know it's like whoo. it's i that i find really cool so i tend to take weapons that have that kind of a oomph to them that's where i i land there yeah i've been i've been kind of going back and forth and just trying a lot of stuff out but i i really liked there were these uh unique sickles called the last laugh and they had some bonus abilities built in some really solid enchantments and you're right they're kind of super fast melee attack is not super powerful but it does feel like you are tearing through a bunch of enemies at once um and i ended up with a rogue build that was basically pairing that with anything that made you faster uh so there's a mushroom that gives you additional speed boost and uh, a little bit of extra damage um that plus uh boots of swiftness plus any of the enchantments that would like add up for swiftness synergy or whatever it was called speed synergy yeah i i was i was just running in attacking everything really fast and then running out again and like there's there's some again different play styles that evolve from figuring out what makes a certain weapon just completely broken for one specific thing that's that's mm. part of the fun of it for me and that's what i'm looking forward to with the uh the upcoming stuff uh i'm also looking forward to a greater variety of summonable pet mobs because the only one i think that was in the beta was the wolf and he was a little bit fragile. I often found that it would it would run in and start to attack something like a creeper and would immediately get blown up and fly across the screen. I'd be like, well, got to wait another 30 seconds or so so I can summon a wolf again. So I, I'm looking forward to some stuff in that that is maybe a little bit more durable. I'm pretty sure there's an iron golem that you can hire in as a, a helper. Um, and there's a, a few other things besides. Um, I feel like it'd be kind of cool if you could 
almost like play for the other team a little bit and and summon vexes that would be on your side like become an evoker effectively so i kind of wonder if some stuff like that is in there um as far as what i've seen from promotional stuff and from a few people streaming it i'm really looking forward to that corrupted beacon artifact there's basically a beacon that you point at stuff and it lasers them um Mm -hmm. That uh, and a couple of other artifacts introduced this other mechanic that I don't think was really in the beta at all, uh, which is collecting souls from the stuff that you kill. Like in, in, instead of just like knocking something down, it disappears. This kind of ghostly image floats up out of it, like in Soul Sand, really. And uh, that all kind of slowly floats towards you, or you can run towards them to collect them. And that's what powers those artifacts. So instead of being on a cooldown timer, you have to fight a bunch of stuff without it and then you end up expending all of that energy next time you want to use the beacon. So there's some some more balancing stuff in there and a little bit more um, kind of in-game currency for specific weapons and stuff that creates a different dynamic and is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot of the environments. I think being so taken away by the diverse and beautiful environments in even just the first couple of levels, knowing that we've only just scratched the surface, uh i think is what i'm looking forward to most uh those lava line dungeons in the promotional you know uh material the 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 redstone monster boss thing like what does that look like yes. in the game? what does that boss battle level uh level look like with all the redstone around like i you know i haven't played in a while so i'm i'm not forgetting but i'm going to be loving the reminder of just how pretty the game is mm-hmm. and i think that's going to be that's going to be super cool when the time comes uh it's uh yeah, just the environments and that that drool of like, oh, I wonder when that block's gonna be added to Minecraft, you know, or <laughs> or or in a positive spin, the 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 inspiration that you know you might get to then take from Minecraft Dungeons back into your Minecraft builds and kind of go from there because we are we have started this uh, medieval area on the Citadel, so uh, with Minecraft Dungeons kind of being in that kind of ilk, uh, it's gonna be fun to to explore the dungeons and see what changes and like i i'm looking forward to the dungeons that have a little bit more of a puzzle to them like remember from um one of the trailers that we talked about on the show there was like a key where you'd have to pick up the little key yes character and then put them in you know different doors like we didn't do any of that in the in the beta so i'm looking forward to stuff like that that's a little bit more zelda like you know they were not in there at all and now that you mention it yeah like they they were quite a big part of the initial sort of trailers and stuff Mm. and i i I completely noticed i i i I didn't notice their absence on account of how much fun i was having with the rest of the game but you're right yeah um and like the loot pig being another example of one of those kind of like passive mobs that end up being of benefit to the player if you want to chase them down and hack at them a couple of times um let's save the uh the feedback we got from our discord until after this question which is how do you think based on what you've seen of the beta and maybe a little bit of the full release now how could the game be expanded in future or be improved upon so i went mostly with just improvements i actually went back and looked at some of the notes that i had from our initial show which i think was episode 83 um i'll look that up but i think the ui could have made a little bit been made a little bit clearer um things like the map uh was pretty dark when you bring it up um being able to pan around the map maybe not into places where you haven't been but if you've explored it it would be nice to be able to see back over the map rather than having to walk there physically in the world to reveal that part of the map um, or not to reveal, but to be able to see that part of the map, even though you've already been there. I think being able to pan around would be a little bit nicer, maybe just with like WASD or something like that. 
um and also like a lighter a lighter overlay i think would be a little bit nicer mm-hmm. um my biggest i think criticism and really i found it very hard to find any uh a bit less character cover and what i mean by that is when you're walking behind stuff which is great for the depth of field and the sense of immersion in the game if you walk underneath the tree canopy you can still see where you are because the outline of your character kind of glows has a lot highlight on it and so does any other character that you might be fighting but it completely hides all the animations you can't really see what's going on and so i would prefer that the overlapping cover become transparent and i can still see myself because you miss the cool fights you miss the cool animations that you're that you enjoy in the game when you're fighting a couple of mobs that happen to be behind the trees and it happened more than once like it happened several times in each gameplay session where i was just like i wish i had been able to see that that was probably really cool when that tnt rolled behind the tree and blew up a bunch of guys but like i couldn't see it because everything was underneath the tree canopy so that kind of stuff i think could be just improve the the feeling the good feeling of the game just kind of up it a little bit mm-hmm. and um i noticed when playing with you very often one of us would pick up a weapon that the other one the other person could use and we weren't able to trade yeah like we weren't able to, to i couldn't just drop an item on the ground um i can appreciate how the looting is different for each person so when you and i open a treasure chest the gold would be split but then there would be an item for you and an item for me and there wouldn't be any kind of necessary you know qu- you know squabbling over who got what um you were just assigned a thing that your your loot table gave you but after that's done and even if you can't do it during a dungeon once you get back to the menu screen where you're hanging out with your your party i feel like you should be able to drop you know an item you know, and, and be able to swap it between party members. Cause it feels kind of bad when like, like maybe I picked up that crazy cool pink bow, but I had no use for it. Cause I was the tank and it would be really cool to be able to give that to you, you yeah. know, and, and have you play with it. Um, again, not necessarily thinking about ways to quote unquote game the system, but just to have, having more fun and not having to pass up fun opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I do think being able to trade stuff between players could be, very useful like and and again i can understand why it's not in the game but also yeah kind of kind of fun when you've got a a multiplayer game going with people you know and you've got people who like to play certain classes just to be able to help them out um loot being very individual in this game makes sense because then you can play offline a whole bunch come back with a bunch of other stuff on your fully tricked out character and then see how quickly you can blaze through everything else um as far as I've seen, the campaign takes place entirely in the overworld, and I'm not trying to spoil anything for anybody. I don't know that 100% for certain, but I was expecting there to be a bit more you know, interplay between the dimensions and stuff, but it seems like it's an overworld thing, so maybe for DLC we get an adventure into the nether at some point. Uh, maybe right. even something related to the end. Like Minecraft has a lot of depth that has not been plumbed by this game, even as they have gone in a different direction with it and added a bunch of new mobs of their own. It's not like they are short of Minecraft content. It's like they're kind of doing their own thing with it for, for now. So I would love a campaign set in the nether, maybe even the end. I was I was thinking, you know, what if the Arch Illager discovers the power of the Ender Dragon and decides that's another dimension to conquer or something like that? Again, I don't know the full extent of the story and what happens to the Arch Illager, especially with how sympathetic they make him in the opening cutscene, but it could be a direction to go with it and 
There is DLC planned for this game. It is one of the things that you get with the Hero Edition. You're effectively buying like the season pass for the next two DLCs. So potentially we'll see something like that in the pipeline already. Who knows? Um, I also think it would be great if player design skins could make it into the game somehow. Um, even if they're just restricted to single player, which I know happens on some Bedrock platforms to avoid you know, um, inappropriate content getting into multiplayer situations. Um, but I think it'd be really good if we could somehow have our own skins imported from accounts, you know, even if it's just a Bedrock account, into uh, the, the single-player experience of Minecraft Dungeons. It would be super fun to go through this entire thing dressed as my Minecraft avatar. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the selection they've given us has been good. There are some that I think you can unlock as you go as well, which is, is super fun. Um, so we'll see. I'm sure I'll settle into one of those uh, additional characters. And one thing I have mentioned on the show previously when we discussed dungeons is the idea of there being some sort of level designer. Um, I had a brief chat with uh, Mark Watson, Mark IRL on Twitter uh, from, from Mojang about this, and he said he was told that apparently um, the implementation of Unreal Engine, which is how uh, is the engine that this this whole game runs on, made it very difficult, if not completely impossible to uh implement any kind of like level designer and it makes sense because these levels have been clearly designed with a level of handcrafted care that would be really difficult yeah. to have players apply themselves or um you know to moderate if there was some kind of like user generated content platform they could then upload levels to which would probably be the point um in a kind of little big planet kind of way or, or dreams or any of the kind of right. uh, the more recent uh, examples of that happening but yeah it is still looking like a fantastic game and from what i've seen of people playing over the weekend everyone seems pretty pretty happy with it uh let's briefly check in with our patrons um montrask had the question about uh what the gameplay experience was like which we've more or less covered it's it's a combat focused um you know dungeon crawler kind of game and people have seen games like this before i'm sure even if they're not familiar with diablo in particular which is probably the most notable example uh how are you playing joel you're playing on um mouse and keyboard yes uh i bought the hero edition thanks again for the birthday gift alistair uh only have an xbox 360 so and i don't play on that much uh my control preference is mouse and keyboard dungeon crawler experience because i'm an old school diablo guy uh i know you play on with a controller but you're playing on a pc with a controller if i'm not mistaken right yes um i play a lot of um other games just on my steam library i'm playing through some final fantasy games again right now and i have my controller plugged into my pc most of the time for that um and so i'm just used to it it's got a more arcadey feel it's the kind of game that i would sit down and and relax and play and ultimately i don't think you need the fine tuning of the mouse and keyboard that you would need for minecraft or a first person shooter i think first person games require that level of camera control and and being able to sort of whip pan around that games like this don't need as much and i can totally understand exactly. the um you know if, if it's something you're used to using keyboard and mouse for if it feels more intuitive to you then i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna say you're playing it wrong one way or the other but yeah. um yeah i think the the xbox controller just feels comfortable as a control interface all the buttons are mapped pretty well i think you can even remap the controls if you want to you can yeah uh, same which, with the keyboard yeah, which is a, a great move for accessibility, of course. So yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I'm mostly playing on on an Xbox 360 controller plugged into my PC. 
Now, I don't know about crossplay, but I feel like there's less of a problem here. I feel like no matter what you're playing on, you're going to be able to team up with friends. So really just play, I'd say start with your controller experience, whether you want to be mouse and keyboard, whether you want to be PC with a with a controller, or whether you're going to want to be on your Xbox with a controller. I think you just pick your poison and where you're most comfortable, whether you want to lean back experience, you know, on the couch or whether you want to be at a mouse and keyboard. Um, it's also part of Xbox Game Pass. And if you get the version of a Game Pass that includes PC, I believe that then you can play it on both platforms. Don't quote me on that. I would double check before you make a purchase. Although Xbox Game Pass right now is like a dollar a month or something. It's so cheap until they come to a final realization. And even then, it's going to be worth it for the number of different games that you have access to. So uh, look into Xbox Game Pass if you haven't already. Um, and yeah, like Johnny said, the gameplay focus we've, we've pretty much already covered. Um, I, I think that it's going to just, it's going to be a lot of fun to play with friends. And I think it's going to allow some parent kid team ups that are going to be really fun. So if you're looking at getting uh, dungeons, I'd say look at it from a how you're going to play. And if you're going to play with kids, then figure out who's going to be where you know, in the household and what's going to be easiest for them to access and then just make the purchase accordingly. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's it's going to be a, a family game for some folks and mm-hmm. it, it does seem like a, a very family-focused, family-friendly game and I think kids are going to get a kick out of... Uh... Yeah, playing, we playing we, we talked a lot about axes and like hacking at people in the in the episode, but it's very cartoony, like Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny type stuff. There's no blood. It's just, it's all just kind of like bashing bad guys. Yeah. Uh and it's uh, but it's it's all very um the gameplay itself I think is straightforward enough that I think even very young players depending on how, you know, parents want to gauge their the the kind of content that the kids have access to, I think it's going to be accessible from a gameplay mechanic standpoint very very easily like point your character at the bad guys and swing <laughs> like it's not a difficult concept yes definitely um should we briefly go over cosmic's answers to the survey yes we... i'm just flipping over to the smeltery now uh we had a quick uh, little feedback from from cosmic as well uh and in regards to how much did we play during the beta a lot like pretty much every day it was available says cosmic uh how much do we plan to play in the future a whole lot more i'm sensing a theme here cosmic uh, single player or multiplayer, both most appealing aspect of the game so far in something, uh, it's something familiar yet different. I'm not a big fan of killing mobs in regular Minecraft, but I totally am in this one. Favorite weapons, artifacts, and loadout, the sickles. So good. She's on team Johnny, I think. Uh, <laughs> any features we're looking forward to, uh, that weren't in the beta, but have been in promotional videos. I'm looking forward to seeing more of the levels. All of the ones in the beta and videos I've loved seeing, they just look so beautiful. And hearing some of more of the fantastic music, which we actually forgot to mention. So yeah, that's a great point, Cosmic. Um, how could the game expand or be improved? Not sure on this one yet. I'm looking forward to playing and seeing what's available. Yeah. So uh, I think that we're, we can be kind of overcritical just because it gives us a little bit more for talking points on the show. But I think the general population is just very happy with the game and just excited to see more of it. And uh, I think the... You know, it's going to be a positive experience. And if you find anything you don't like about it, I think it's probably going to be very specific to you and maybe, you know, not not a big deal, even if you do find something. Yes. Well, folks, Minecraft Dungeons does come out tomorrow. Um, there is a link to the Minecraft.net blog post. And I think there's an FAQ on there as well that will tell you 
basically what time it comes out in your time zone. Uh, it's 9 a.m. in the UK. It's 9 a.m. BST. So I'll probably be playing it on my stream tomorrow. I imagine, Joel, you might be uh, streaming it at some point this week as well. You are uh, correct, sir. Yeah, check it out. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. And if you guys have any feedback about your Minecraft Dungeons experience that you would like to be considered for reading out on the show, I'm sure we will have a full episode about Minecraft Dungeons next week as well that you guys could contribute to if you'd like to. Joel will have the email address for you in a moment, but that's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in. You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, where joining our community by pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and gets us closer to our next goals, which is now live recording again, because we dipped down below the $400 uh, milestone and we would like to get back up above that before we start recording the show live in discord with our patrons again uh, special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski greener canuck jd williamson yakov nastin and yitz for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it is 100 free you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with friends just tell a friend about it and where they can find it and where they can listen to it. A podcast review is another easy way to increase the visibility of the Spawn Chunks, so leave us a star rating on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you happen to be listening on. Uh, even if you don't use the app, it only takes a minute to pop in, leave a review, and be on your way. It really helps us get in front of the eyeballs and ear holes of new listeners. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. I'm going to say that again, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com you can subscribe on itunes android stitcher spotify and youtube the rss link is on the spawnchunks.com and the patron only rss link is on the patreon page which is the only place you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i stream three days a week on twitch doing behind the scenes work for survival guide will probably dip out of that to play a bit of dungeons and i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you are interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line there. I am full up until the end of June, but uh, there is no harm in getting in line because that tends to happen uh, during the summer. So please check it out, joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast, all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, which you can find at thecitadelcafe.com. Spoiler, I've been watching the Back to the Future series for the first time in a long time, so that's probably going to be talked about on the show. And of course, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on all the social media that matters, and I will of course point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I will be more than likely paying dungeons at some point tomorrow. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Go forth and loot the room. <laughs> <laughs>